Hello and welcome back to the Villa Filler podcast. I'm here as always with my good friend Dan Wiseman. Dan, how you doing, mate? Good, mate. Good. Didn't see you not too long ago, just for uh, the game. We recorded a little something for the audio-only viewers. Um, so hopefully they'll be able to check that out soon. But yeah, I've seen you twice in the space of a couple of hours, mate. I feel spoiled on this Wednesday night. <laughs> it's almost like we've been in Manchester, Dan, isn't it? <laughs> oh, no, the good old days, the good old good days. days. But here we are, Dan. We're obviously going to round up the... Well, we're going to begin the podcast with an international break roundup. Obviously starting first with England's uh, enthralling 4-0 win against Iceland. A 10-man Iceland for about... 30 minutes they played with 10 men down. I've got to say, there were there were plenty there were probably two or three periods in this game where there was sustained pressure, there was players winning balls back, there was chances being created. And, you know, I'd say for about 30 minutes of the game, I thoroughly enjoyed watching England tonight, Dan. It's the, it's the first time in three games I've felt the same, mate. Um England were really I don't know whether it was the is I think it contributes to a few things, but I don't know if it was the weight of the fact that this game didn't really mean and that perhaps that weight was lifted off their shoulders and a very young, exciting, creative team could, could really be let off that lease and, and do what they do best at, at club level. And it, I felt when I saw the lineup, you know, we saw Foden, Saka, Mount, Grealish, Kane, all in one team, that we were going to get something more exciting. And uh, yes, I suppose that was against a lesser opposition, you know, Iceland haven't picked up a point in this entire Nations League campaign. And, and obviously, you know, against the likes of, of Belgium, who we faced a completely different kettle of fish. And I understand that, but it was so much more entertaining. And with, it was a performance, which made you feel like with the wealth of attacking talent, which we have, that we should be seeing that more consistently. And it felt like such a rarity, didn't it? It, it, it did. And I think the, the only uh, sort of complaint from mine is again, it's the system, it's the four-three-three. It's all you hear me bang on about in these international break podcasts. I know, but it's especially when you've got Maguire, when you've got Dyer, when you've got uh, Walker in that back three, they're not quite equipped to play out from the back. Uh, but listen, obviously, doesn't matter. I'm not going to be too hypercritical of the system and that tonight. Obviously, England won, and uh, you know, I think. Mason Mount played in a different role. And of course, we'll get on to Jack Grealish later, but Mason Mount played more as a central midfielder. And I actually found his energy was very useful, especially in terms of recoveries as well. And I don't have the stats with me, but I could I could count. There was plenty of occasions where Mount was the first one to try and win a ball back, come back, instigate a counter-attack, stuff like that, which was really interesting to see because we generally see him in a more advanced position. And I think generally in terms of his play and his stature, you wouldn't think to play him as a central midfielder in the two like he was tonight. But his energy really lent himself to that and I thought it was a very good performance from Mason. Yeah, he's he's a brilliant, brilliant player, mate. Look, I'm I don't I don't buy in I've never really bought into the Jack versus Mason thing. You know, we we said on the very first podcast that they're two very different players. They can both operate in the same team and do very well. I think Southgate clearly likes them both. You know, they they've started both started all three of England's games, and that's a you know this creates a separate issue, I suppose, especially in the current climate. But Mason was played really well, and I thought I thought on the whole he's had a really exciting international break all over. Really, I I, th- I think it's been quite promising on the whole for Mason Mount. He brings a lot of energy from midfield. He brings a, a tenacity which I think is quite underrated in his game. And as you said, mate, in terms of pressing quickly and being on the, the 
getting on those second balls and, and winning the possession back. I think it's a quite an underrated, underrated aspect of his game. And then obviously he brings all the creative flair and the ability to take a man on, which was the problem I had with the midfield in the Belgium game which, of Henderson and Rice, where they, whereby they didn't have that ability to take a man on, yeah. to, to play a line-splitting pass. Mount brings that ability... Which, which they don't have. And I think we really benefited from that tonight. Um, I thought Declan Rice had a good game too. You know, I'm not going to criticise him. I just didn't think he was perhaps put into the best system or, or paired with the right partner in that pivot. But Mount was clearly the right choice tonight. And look, I don't want to get too carried away because it is Iceland and it would be interesting to see how the 11 that played tonight squared up in our last couple of games. Um, but no, Mason Mount can really hold his, his head held high and, and so can Phil Foden. Yeah, I think that kind of there was a lot of uh, fluidity within the midfield, and Foden, Grealish, Mount, all willing to, uh, you know, cover for people, move, move in and about, which is is something again that I do really like that you can have such a dynamic and flexible midfield with with them players, and you would think having three such attacking minded players, and I'm not going to just label them as midfielders because they are so much more. Uh, it, it would be incredibly difficult to fit them in a team with a striker, with how we play as well. But it seemed to lend itself really well. And again, that is probably because it was against Iceland. But you see in in the build-up for um, the second goal, there's just some really nice interplay between Mount, between Grealish, between Foden. And they're happy to all move about here, there and everywhere. And it's it, you know it's really encouraging to see. Phil Foden is... is a, a very, very talented player. He's destined for amazing things in the game, uh, as is our very own Jack Grealish, who I would say, again, Dan, I think I'm coming on this podcast and it's from a Villa perspective and from a perspective of seeing him week in, week out, it's just another average performance. Yeah, I'm scrolling down Twitter and it's it's as if he's dropped a 10 out of 10. And listen, I, of course, we're on the Jack Grealish hype train. That is That goes without saying, but... Uh, and, and there were some very good moments in the game. There were so many instances, especially in the first half, where he'd pick the ball up and he'd run at players. And I mean, he's got the pace that the pundits seem to think he doesn't. Um, but he was, I felt like Jack was really direct tonight, Dan. Yeah, look, he, he the last, he wasn't quite the, the creative force that he was in the last game, not the predominant creative force anyway. I think he did hand, pass that baton on to, to Phil Foden and, you know, he really picked it up and ran with it. And as I said, full credit to Phil for the performance that you, we put in tonight. But you're very right in saying that everyone seems amazed by Grealish. You know, I was just reading a tweet where it was like, you know, hashtag DVFC fans. It was like, is Grealish like this every game? And it's sort of like, no, actually, usually he's a he's a bit better than this. Um, and I I've, I've come on podcasts before and, and spoken about how I think we are sometimes conditioned to how good Jack Grealish is. I think the Leicester game was a really good example of that, and that's where you know you clip that one for for the Twitter feed. Do you remember? Yeah. It's like me reading off all these stats and stuff like that. And it's like perhaps we're just so used to seeing these things now. We've seen them down at Villa Park for getting on five years now that. We're used to it, but Jack, it, you know, again, clearly is 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 forcing himself to. It's quick how things have progressed, and that because not long ago we we're talking about Jack forcing himself into the England squad, and then it was sort of like into the fold for matches, and now it's like Jack has really nailed down his spot potentially in the eleven, and it's going yeah. to be really interesting to see when we get all these players back from their different 
um, injuries and, and quarantines and all that sort of thing when we have the full England squad at Gareth's disposal, how he lines up. And I think really this has given Gareth Southgate a bit more than a headache, to be honest with you, because given how he's performed in these games, he has absolutely no right to be dropped. And we don't know what England's next fixtures are. The, you know, the only nailed on fixtures that we have next to the group stages of, of the Euros next summer. Yeah. So England's next internationals have to be confirmed and, and stuff like that. But when they eventually roll around, hopefully we have a fitter England squad. Hopefully all of these injuries are a, a thing of the past and we have England at full strength. Hopefully we've, we've Jack really still in it, but given his performances across the international break, how he's helped to bring England up the pitch. He's helped to bring other players into play and at times make a really disjointed attack seem so in tune um, is, is really testament to himself, mate. And, and we have quite the player on our hands. And I, I feel like this international break is the first time that I've seen virtually everyone wake up to just what a talent he is. Absolutely. And I think it's it's come at the right time as well because he's had a camp, he's had three games and the next camp is now in March and, you know, he's now very much within the squad at least. And, you know, as you alluded to there, probably has his starting place nailed down. You would hope, you never really know with Southgate, but I mean, when he's been dropping these kind of performances at, that everybody's raving about and, you know, we can clearly see there are still levels to that. Uh, it, it does lend itself to Jack having his spot come March, come the next friendlies and then leading into the summer. He's got a lot of time now to impress and to improve for Villa during the season, which is really uh, obviously the main focus for us. That's what we want in, in, in the immediate short term is is Jack to come back to Villa fit and fighting and, uh, and, and, and doing bits for us. Uh, before we move on from this game though, Dan, obviously I think, I'm sure everyone's seen the goals. It, it was a night full of debut goals, really, with, with Rice and with Foden. It's a shame Jack couldn't get himself get on the score sheet. But um, Burke could be honest and Dan. It's, uh, it's the first time in a few months yeah, that we've seen cool. the Icelandic Prince. And uh, I, you know, I was saying to my dad watching the game, sure, maybe I, 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 you're probably going to rip my head off for this, Dan. But I mean, surely you can have Burke in the squad over Conor Horahan as a backup midfielder. <laughs> For those of you who are listening, Dan has left the room. Dan has gone. <laughs> yeah, no, he, um, it was so good to see him out on that pitch tonight, and I've really, really missed him. Um, he was he put himself about, and it's a shame that he's been caught up in this Icelandic mess because again, I, I think it's yet another system that doesn't get the best out of him purely because Iceland the pants. But um, no, it was it was great to see him uh, out on that pitch doing his thing. Um, and yeah, it's been too long, mate. It's been too long. The thing is, I can't even watch him in Serie A anymore because he's in Serie B. Yeah. And it's hard enough getting to watch Serie A games in this country, let alone second division Italian football. So it was nice to see him. And it's good to see that his, his rival age of what, about 32? 32, yeah, 32. After spells in Qatar and, and Qatar, was it Qatar? Yeah, he was like El Arabi, I think he joined. Um, that he's, he's still able to get in that forward. And look, I, I don't know what how much of a bank of competition they have down in that sense of the mid spot in the Icelandic national team but it's good to see that our king is still reigning supreme absolutely man shout out to Burke well, do you know what I'm saying that I don't think Gilfie Sigurdsson played or if he did I certainly didn't notice him uh, obviously he's not playing too frequently at Everton is he so maybe it's no, a case of if you play 
you know, he, he started their first game. I don't know yeah. what happened with with Gilfie, whether it was a problem in their in their last game, but no, he, he didn't start tonight. No. Um there wasn't actually he wasn't on the bench either from from what I can remember. So I don't actually know what happened to Gilfie. Excuse my poor research there. Um but yeah, I mean Likewise. even by Iceland. Yeah, even, <laughs> even by uh even by Iceland standards. It's interesting to see that they finally got rid of that goalkeeper. Yeah. You know the one, one about that that has played for yeah. Iceland since probably the Ice Forever. Age, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so they've finally managed to get a new keeper in between the six. So um, shout out to the Icelandic national team. I like their new crest too. I don't know if you it's, saw it. The kid's smart, the, man. The KSI. Yeah, so they've got stuff a new crest. It's looking good. I mean, I don't think they'll ever hit the lofty heights of the quarterfinals of the Euros again, but uh, no, well, they'll hopefully, hopefully they'll be in a more competitive. They've obviously been relegated from this nation's league group into the group B, so hopefully they get a more competitive group next time around and and can enjoy. Because if, if you are Icelandic, that group is a tough ask. It really is. They mustn't have enjoyed that. But listen, Dan, before we do get on to the Brighton preview for the podcast, it would be rude of us not to look at uh, how our other international villains have got on now. First of all, I think we'll start with the one that I am probably the best first in because I stayed up and watched the game. Uh, Douglas Luiz, man, he bossed it for Brazil the other night against Uruguay. Uh, again, Uruguay had 10 men for about 30 minutes. Edinson Cavani got sent off. And I'm not even going to lie, at the time, I didn't even realise it's only after the game. I was like, oh my God, they, they were they were playing with 10 men. Wow. Um, but listen, Louise, it was, it was a really interesting performance because in that first half you saw... Uh, you know, Dougie doing what Dougie does best, the, the nice, tidy little one-two passes, carrying the ball forward a fair bit, just looking overall very smart. But Uruguay are historically a very aggressive side and that was no exception the other night. And in the second half, we really saw, not only in Luis, but in Brazil, there was a nasty streak to them. And it was good to see that Luis had that bite because... Often we see him give away cheap free kicks for just a stupid pull or, you know, like if you're going to give away a foul, like hurt him. That's my, <laughs> that's my motto with it. You know, it, it's got to be worth it. Unless you go, if you just pull in a shirt or whatever, it's like, what's the point? You've not gained anything from that. And that's probably uh, a bit of a dinosaur way to look at it. But, it, you know, if you're going to get booked, get booked for something worthwhile. Um, and Louise really had this nasty streak in him and it was, it was good to see. I thought, uh, obviously, they won the game 2-0. Uh, he played in the midfield alongside uh, Arta of Juventus, which probably involved in the worst ever swap deal in terms of Barcelona, what they <laughs> yes. were getting in Miran Pjanic, um, and uh, Everton, which, uh, not the football club, he is a midfielder. Um, it's great to see Dougie just mixing it with these players, and uh, he did not look out of depth at all, Dan. And uh, I've just... I'm just gassed, man. Like, you know, obviously Dougie and Wes, two of our first ever Brazilians that have represented the club, uh, obviously representing their nation. Brazil are a team that you just fall in love with every time you watch You watch Brazil and you realise why you why you love the game. It's so beautiful. It's so pure. And Douglas Luiz is no exception, Dan. Yeah. Well, I, I said this when, when we were previewing the international break, mate. The one thing that you, when you watch... I actually planned to watch the game last night. I mean, shoot me, I had it up on a stream and I woke up in the morning with the end of the stream just on my chest like that. <laughs> and I, I must have fallen asleep before the game started. Um, but no, I've, I've gone back and I've watched some highlights and yeah, like Dougie, um, he 
looks so comfortable when he's away with the Seller Tower. That's what impresses me most. Is It's not like he's sort of this small fish in a big pond and he's surrounded by all these superstars and, you know, sort of is, a, is playing a bit part role to make up the numbers. Like, he is a, holding down the base of that midfield. Well, when you've got such a free-flowing attacking side like Brazil, is a big, big responsibility to anchor all that. You know, when you've got Everton, I think last night it was Everton to his left, who is is not the Everton from Gremio that's just gone to Benfica. That's Everton Ribeiro from uh, Atletico Mineiro, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's down in Brazil. Uh, One of the older guys in like the that. squad. Yeah, so he's got Everton Ribeiro to his left and then Arthur to his right, who are two very much forward-thinking midfielders. And then you've got the front three of Richarlison, Firmino and Jesus. To anchor that, you know, you've got the wing-backs on either side, like Lodi and Danilo that love to get forward and to sit at the base of that six and keep that, be the metronome and keep that side ticking over. It's such a big responsibility. And wow, he did it so well. Um, and he has done for a long time. This isn't like yesterday in the Uruguay, he finally settled into things like Brazil have been 100% in their qualifying campaign, four wins from four. Um, and, and yesterday, yeah, look, as, as, you, as you touched on there as well, Dan, and we said before, um, it's not the strongest Uruguay side that you've ever seen. You know, this, this side is aging a little bit, but, you know, that midfield is still Naitan Nandes, Lucas Torreira, Rodrigo Bentancourt. And so for Dougie to come up in that midfield battle with such a forward-thinking Brazil lineup and stand out like he did is testament to what a talent we've got on our hands. What a buy at 15 million he has yeah. been. And uh, all I would do is is just urge Villarans to, to watch and appreciate Douglas Louise for as long as we can because my honest feeling is that he's not going to be a Villa fan, sorry, a Villa player forever. Um, Absolutely. You know, Man City do have that buyback clause. There's a little bit of sort of some fans have been saying about 25 euro, and that's initially what I remember it being. But when initial reports were released on the transfer, I thought that fee increased each year by about 15 million. That's just what I thought. I'm not sure. Um, But either way, you know, whether if it's 15 million higher, that's no problem for Man City. If Pep's got a buyback clause and, you know, Douglas Luiz is holding down the six for Brazil. I think he's going to be, you know, certainly have his head turned by that. So, yeah, just just watch and appreciate Douglas Luiz whilst you can because he is such a good player. Absolutely, man. And uh, another player doing bits, Trezeguet, Trezeguet. What a tweet by Elmo. What a goal by Trez. And we spoke in the last podcast about the flick. And he just somehow managed to level it up with another fantastic back post goal. And I, I, I distinctly remember... It was probably, I think it was my first game watching Trez, uh, which was Arsenal away. And I thought, wow, we've got a player. And I've got to be honest, he didn't do it too much after that. And I know he scored some big goals against Liverpool and Chelsea and whatnot, but was fairly inconsistent. And I think that's totally fair to say. And obviously the Trezor game we got after lockdown has been phenomenal, Dan. And um, I mean, he's just doing bits, man. Honestly, like for Egypt, they they beat Togo 3-1 in that game and uh he was on he was on the score sheet obviously uh it's just really good to see because obviously you know a lot of Egypt's hopes are pinned on Mo Salah and uh uh Mohamed Hassan is doing the bits for them man as and when he can and I love that and I just hope that he's okay and I'm sure he will have returned a negative Covid test after the Salah incident for him to have even played um we just got to wrap these guys up in cotton warm mate and keep him safe we really do don't we it's um for sure 
it, it's it's good to see and uh, and and just quickly to to wrap up the the kind of rest of the internationals uh Zimbabwe mixed bag against Algeria they lost the first game drew the second game uh Thanks to the the finite information on the Zimbabwean football team, not quite sure if Marv played, uh, but you know, shout out to you, Marv, uh, doing the most for your nation. Uh, Scotland have not had a good time since they have uh, have been boogieing. Uh, they've lost both their games. John McGinn came off today uh, at around sixty minute mark for Scotland. So again. Just want to keep him wrapped up in cotton. Well, Conor Horahan actually played the full 90 for uh, Republic of Ireland as they drew 0-0 to Bulgaria. Uh, yes, that game is and was as boring as it sounds, Dan, to be to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, it's a shame. There's, I mean, I'm looking at the lineup here now and there's no Alexander Tonif. What are they doing, man? No wonder. Um, Bulgaria, you're missing out on, on, a, on a baller What's there. The What's the player? Silly Petrov's recommendation I'm hearing. I'm hearing. I think that's I the think one thing what... he'll never be forgiven for. No. <laughs> One other positive that we can take from the AFCON is that Bertie was out on the pitch. For oh, Wikipedia yeah, of Fassa. course. Yeah. I'm glad and you reminded I don't, me. I don't think they had the the best time on the international break. I, I think that they lost to... They, no, they beat Malawi. Um, Traore scored two goals in that game. Lucina Traore, unfortunately. Um, and then they drew their next game. But Bertie was out on the pitch, which considering he got injured in that Southampton game is, is really encouraging. And so hopefully he can back and, and um, you know, he's back at fitness and he can give you, give us that option. So yeah, that, that was, you know, although, you know, he's not getting goals or assists or anything like that, it was just for me really positive to see him out on the pitch and, and that that injury hasn't been quite as long-term as, as perhaps it was feared because we never really got official clarification on that, on, on what no. was going on there. So it, it's good to see that it was only a short-term thing. It, it was pretty quiet on that front. But yeah, no, I I did forget actually. It's only when the, the Villa admin tweeted about Bertie being included, I, I texted you instantly, Dan, didn't I? Like, oh my God, he's he's alive, which is obviously brilliant news, uh, especially for you considering he's on the back of your shirt, Dan. Uh, but the, the less said about that for now, the better. Um, as, as we move into sure. our preview for Brighton, Dan, because, uh, you know, on the table, it, it doesn't, it doesn't read very well for Brighton, but I'm sure those of you who've actually watched Brighton play this season will know that the results do not tell the full story when it comes to them. They have they have played well enough at times and have been very unlucky in my opinion. They do sit 16th. Villa, obviously 10 places higher than them, sitting 6th. Um, as of this moment, I'm not sure if I'm going to be at the game doing some coverage, but I'm sure I'll find out soon and I'll keep you guys updated on Twitter. But uh, listen, this is uh, this is a big game to come back to, Dan, really, as well, because especially when you consider Dougie played 90 minutes the other night, uh, Trez played the other day as well. They're going to be extremely jet-lagged. Because of the pay-per-view being scrapped, we're now playing at 3 o'clock on a Saturday, which is is brilliant for the fans, but for them too, it's going to be a nightmare, Dan. Yeah, and you're going to have to forgive me because someone shouted this out in the last podcast um, or, or tweeted us. Um, a Villa fan that watches in Brazil. So shout out to you if you're watching my guy. Um, and, and pointed out quite rightfully just what a hell of a flight that is from Rio back to the UK. Um, that, you know, he's, he, Douglas is going to be feeling the effects of that, especially after playing such a heightened role for Brazil. You've got Jack, who's, who's played all three games. And look, you know, there are a whole host of other, other international players that have gone away and played all three games in seven days. Gundogan's done it for Germany. Mason Mount's also done it for England. Jeannie Wijnaldum did it for Holland. And so, you know, Grealish isn't alone there. But we've got a tough game coming up. As you said, you, you rightfully pointed out that this season, 
you could look at the, the table for Brighton. They got one win this season. That was against Newcastle and it came back on the 20th of December, uh, sorry, of September. Um, back might, to the future. Well, I was going to say, might as well feel like December yeah. last year. It's been that long for Brighton, unfortunately. But no, it does not tell the full picture in terms of um, where they are in the stats table for distance thing. They're, they're the best team in the league for the shots faced. They only faced five point, uh, they've only faced 53 shots this season, which is remarkable. Um, they're, they're first in the league for expected goals against, second in the league for passes into the final third, second in the league for successful pressures, third in the league for average possession, second in the league for average points, and 16th in terms of actual points. Which is, and so you can see that the drop off in those stats. And, and look, I've, football is a game played on grass, not on the computer screen. I 100% understand that. But this is a Brighton team that have showed that they can turn it up on any given day. And they're very much due a result that these performances have been deserving. And if we're not up to scratch, if we come out and play like we did against Leeds, if we come out and play like we did against South and, sorry, Southampton, which considering how tired the players are going to be after such a hefty international break. It's be hard. It's going to be difficult, mate. It's, it's really going to be difficult. And look, after the Arsenal game, it was perhaps a fixture where, you know, at first glance, you looked at our next game, oh, Brighton at home, there's another chance for a few points. And yes, I do agree that the fixtures coming up are ones to be excited about. It does look a little bit kinder to us. We've got a, a run now where we can really pick up some points. But this isn't a game that we, we can write off. Brighton have showed that they can really go toe-to-toe with anyone. You know, the game that sticks to mind is that is that Man United game where they were robbed of a point because of a penalty that was taken after the game ended. Yeah. And you had that whole debacle. Um, Brighton are due a result and they're going to feel like they can take it to us because they've gone toe-to-toe with some fantastic teams this season. And above all else, I think it will make for a really good game. Absolutely. And they've not had as many players that have gone away uh, you know, with their nations as well, which is always going to be a big thing. Potter will have had more time with them over the break to, to really, you know, work on the, the the shortcomings that there have been. Which, you know, again, they have been unlucky this season. I don't think there's any question in that. They are a side that I think most sides, as you say, will look at it and go, okay, but this should be three points. But um, it, it's it's never always that way. We left it late last season in the home game to to win that with a late Matt target goal. We we did the bits in the Carabao Cup, but you know they made it really difficult for us at their place when uh, Greedish scored that absolute screamer with uh, a worldie of a setup by Douglas Louise Dan, um, and Graham Potter is going to want to get the better of Dean Smith and Aston Villa. You know, being the being the ex Blues man, he is going to want that. Uh, he he's never seemed too happy after a, a poor result against us. So you know, it, let's hope that Villa can keep this up, and I hope as well. You know as you kind of alluded to there, Dan, as well, when you look at some of the games that we've lost this season, obviously Southampton, obviously Leeds, Stoke even as well, if you're going to include that in the Carabao Cup, they're games we did just expect to walk. And it's the games where mm-hmm. we thought, well, point. actually, this is going to be very difficult that we've actually done, uh, you know, we've done ourselves a, a, a justice, I guess, in, in terms of performance and results. So let's hope that we can, you know, build on from this because, as I say, we sit sixth, and it's crazy because the top six is made up of us, Leicester, Southampton, Liverpool, Tottenham, Chelsea. If you look down to 10th and 11th, you've got Manchester City, you've got Arsenal, Manchester United all the way down in 14th, even Leeds in 15th. That surprises me, especially because 
of, uh, of how good Leeds fans say they are. I'm really surprised that they're that low. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure that will change, but uh, I mean, here we are. And Villa, uh, it's, it's really important that we get this done. And b- before we wrap this up, I'm going to ask you, as I always do, Dan, for a score prediction. Uh, how are you feeling on this, Dan? Because uh, I think I think quietly optimistic is fair from what I'm from what I'm perceiving from you and what I'm feeling myself. Uh, what's what's your score prediction? Well, to be honest with you, mate, I think as you say, it's going, it's going to be difficult. You've sort of got, and it's interesting that you pointed out where Leeds are in the league because you've got that mini league that's sort of forming behind them, whereby you've got Leeds on on ten points. And then immediately after that, you've got a four-point drop to 16th where you've got Brighton, Fulham, West Brom, Burnley, Sheffield United and those sides that are going to really struggle. So Brighton are going to want to remove themselves from that mix pretty quickly. You don't want to get sucked into that. Um, I think we'll know in the first 10 minutes. And that's me being genuinely... I think you can tell from the first 10 minutes of a game what filler you're going to get. If we come out like we did against Arsenal, we'll know how lightly we've not taken that game. and And so I hope that after the way that we started against Leeds, the way that we started against Southampton, we don't get a repeat of that. And I hope that we've learned our lessons. And so with that in mind, I think Villa are going to edge it. I don't think it will be a a runaway by any means. I'm going to go 2-1. Yeah, I'd Um, have to agree with you on that. I think it will be close. I think Brighton are going to cause us a a lot of problems. We know that the pace that they have in the likes of Tarek Lamptey, Leo Trossard is a really good player on the other side. And so Brighton have got threats of their own. Neil Morpay likes scoring a goal against the Villa. We all know that. So let's not write Brighton off Villa fans. Um, I hope the players don't either. Yeah, 2-1's going to be my call, mate. I, th- I think that's a more than realistic shout. I just hope that we can get the job done. And I think as well, you know, I hate to harp on about COVID and, and the new normal and stuff like that. But like generally, I think having no fans is a real leveller because you just got to look at, as I say, the last get the last game at Villa Park, literally Matt Target scoring within the last second. I think the the fans genuinely played a really big part in that. So uh, listen, let's hope Villa can get the business done, Dan. And uh, for you guys who are listening and watching, uh, we'd just like to say a massive thank you again for all your continued support. If you haven't checked it out already, please do check out the the video that will be linked at the end of this about uh, Luke Nillis. Dan and I put a lot of time and uh, effort into yeah. that. It's been it's been in the making for a while, so. Uh, to all of you guys who've already seen that and loved it, we really do appreciate that. If you haven't seen it, I'm sure you will like it. So please do go check that out. Uh, comment your thoughts below on how you thought Grealish played for England. Because uh, again, I think we just thought it was average and that's that's no slander. That There's levels to Jack's game. There really is. And uh, we'd, we'd love to hear what you have to say on that. And give us your score predictions below in the comments. Uh, and if you haven't, subscribe. Why not? It's free. And uh, you'd really have the channel out by doing so. So yeah, as I say, like, comment, subscribe and up the villa. Jeff's no essential The fulfill in this got potential It's a main man, a hero He's the main leader of the gang Jeff's no Jeff's no Jeff's no He's the main leader of the gang now Jeff's no